0: Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have a very interesting episode all about dealing with bad publicity and communication in general. Today, we're talking to Sue Papadoulos, who is an ex-journalist and founder of the national publicity company Profile Media, with clients who have appeared in just about every major media outlet in Australia across TV digital news, radio, and newspapers. Now, Sue is also a co-author with me of the book Secrets of Business Experts Exposed. And today we are talking about how to deal with bad publicity and also about communication in general. I wanted to speak with Sue about this topic because we've recently witnessed a flood of defamation allegations and whilst there are legal avenues, sometimes it's also useful to investigate what else can be done and how to protect organisations against issues repeating and occurring in the first place. So here we go. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for joining us on Talking Law. Thanks, Joanna. Great to be here. Great. Okay. So, an interesting topic today, as we've chatted about previously, we've seen this bizarre sort of wave of interest in defamation actions at the moment. And, you know, quite a few of them relate to social media posts in relation to businesses that somehow link to the individuals in a business. And we've seen it on both sides of the fence. You know, some of our clients who have been deeply offended by comments that are being made or concerned perhaps about the brand impact of comments that are being unfairly made out in the marketplace and on the flip side from our client who may have been attacked for some of the things that they have said that they feel are rightful uh, comments made by them. So I thought it'd be interesting if today we could you know delve further into this area because i think it is related a lot to the area of pr and how people view themselves and you know i guess with the idea of perhaps giving our audience a bit of insight into maybe how to avoid some of these issues and how to deal with them in ways other than legal obviously you know we sit here providing legal advice about what to do in this area but i do feel like this is one of these areas where the legal and Answer isn't necessarily the, in fact, it's it's sort of a last resort answer, I, I guess, at the end of the day, because quite often we want to avoid things that can inflame a situation. So, Sue, so what's your thoughts about this area and how does it relate to
2: PR? Sure. So, I think uh, you, you're spot on. And in fact, it's interesting in our business, we're seeing an increasing number of people coming to us uh, for help around crisis communications and issues management. So, they may know that some uh, something has been said about them or they may be fearful that they have this thing within their business that someone might talk about. Uh, So they're scrambling and going, right, well, how do I manage that? What do I do? So it's interesting we're seeing a kind of correlating increase in interest in that side of what we do, which is almost counterproductive in terms of what we normally do, which is to get people's messages out there in a positive way. Now, we're helping people minimize their message and keep them out of the media.
0: I guess also because people are focused on building their brand, I guess this threat (laughs) feels like
2: a big potential problem as well. Maybe they're into lint. Yeah, I think so. I think people, as much as they would love promotion, on the flip side of that is, oh, what happens if it goes wrong? So, there's that you know, there's that duality to it, I suppose. And I suppose also people think if I put my head above and up in in front of people, then I've become a target potentially. So there's that fear. But I think pretty much most people who come to us have some issue already at play, that they're either worried about coming out or they may have had someone say something negative about them. And it might have it might have got a bit of time on social media or it might not have, but they just hope that that never happens again. And if it does happen again, what am I going to do about it? So, so yeah, so look, there's lots of things that you can do if you're thinking about proactively dealing with these things. And I, I think we need to be thinking first and foremost about, is it really going to be that damaging to your business? So people get very easily offended. And if someone's, and obviously, if you're a business owner, you feel very uh, attached to your business and, and its brand. So how dare someone say something negative about you in a public forum? But sometimes it's just a case of if you just take a moment and take a breath and think, well, actually, is that really going to have a big impact on the business? That's probably the better way to look at it than to think, right, what am I going to do to tell this person they can't do it, which is going to add fuel to the fire and make it a bigger issue than it was to start with. So yeah, there's some things that you can be doing to minimize the risk, I suppose, and also deal with it if it does come up.
0: And so, what sort of examples have you seen of businesses coming to you in this crisis management you know, type of issue?
2: Yeah. So, there was a, a home builder who had actually in the mainstream media, a business publication who did quite a bit online. So, they had regular podcasts and they had physical magazine, but they also have an online version. They have newsletters that go out to their database. It's really quite influential within the business community. Uh, And there had been some misinformation communicated some years ago about this home builder and its financial viability. There was a company to partner with them and the deal fell over. And there was no public announcement at the time about why the deal fell over. So uh, this media organisation did its own assumption and actually said, I was listening to a podcast where they, I heard what they said, and they basically said, well, we're not quite sure, but we can only assume that the deal fell over because XYZ company, they company—they had, had—they did due diligence and their books weren't that good because at the time, you know, the building industry was under pressure. So they'd made this assumption and our client, who ended up becoming our client, um, hadn't done anything about it and was mortified that this, had, because it actually was, that wasn't why the deal fell over and they were hoping it would go away but every probably couple of months it would come up again and this business media outlet would say something along those lines and so this the fellow who runs the company said look how do I stop this from happening I don't want to pick a fight with the business magazine I'm quite, you know, they're very influential, but I just don't know how to, to stop it from happening. So, you know, the really, the easy thing for us to do was to say, well, look, let's have a meeting with the people at the business magazine and let's get it all out on the table. And while we do that, let's give them another positive story that they could cover. So it's not just we're telling you this is not the case, but here's another opportunity for you to get some good content. So, so he was like, oh, are you sure? You think that he was quite worried about actually fronting up and having a meeting because of what if, what if they dive deeper and ask us difficult questions? So we had prepared him, we'd gone through... We put together a document, basically, of all the possible questions you might be asked. So it was full disclosure for us, as it needs to be, I guess, with a lawyer. You need to know the story. What's and all. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Tell us everything. So we um, put together a question and answer document so that whatever the question was, he would feel comfortable and have an answer for it. Plus put together a press release on a completely different topic, talking about something that that company was doing that would help the target market in some way. So we did that and the meeting went really, like I attended the meeting, sat there and the journalist was like, oh, okay, right. Oh, that's glad glad we clarified that. Anyway, let's talk about this press release. That's really interesting. (laughs) You know, it was almost dealt with in five minutes and then we went on to this other story and then they got great piece of publicity. The magazine has stopped now talking about that wrong information. And I guess that's also part of the solution to an issue is giving them something else to talk about that is positive. So we don't want to just kind of clear up the mistake or the issue we want to move it then forward into proactive, positive messaging because people remember the last thing they hear about you. So we don't ever want to just deal with that issue and stop there. We have to then move it on to a different topic. So since then, I mean, gosh, that was probably 18 months ago. We've had that home builder. We've been working with him ever since and getting ongoing positive publicity. So that one comment that was the only thing that was in the media about him 18 months ago has been completely drowned out. It's probably on page 10 of Google now and no one's ever going to know about it again because we've done this ongoing positive stuff and all that's online now. That is absolutely
0: fabulous. I love that as a story because as you're talking about this, I'm actually thinking of a number of examples that I've seen. One in particular stands out. We had a client who, you know, many businesses go through ups and downs um, and and go through difficult times. This particular client had a period in their business where it had gone through a difficult time um, and there had been financial issues in the business, which some people in the market were aware of. And then our client went on. Oh, to, to do other things, but there was quite a bit of press coverage about the downtimes and this went on and on and on. And, you know, they were really tearing their hair about what to do, but they really didn't want to approach the originator of the information because, you know, they just thought it would stir him up more. So, so they were in this really tricky position, which was what do we do at this point? I really love the spin that you have on it, which is number one, confront, like actually go in and talk to the people because I'm really big on that. But I think people as a whole are, are really nervous about confrontation. And not even necessarily confrontation. Some people are certainly are nervous about confrontation, but the vulnerability that they might experience. So, so I think you're absolutely right about going in and having that communication, which actually, as an aside, can really assist in many areas of dispute. <laughs> you know, from a legal perspective, I think communication is often overlooked, but it's not just communication. You're saying it's prepared communication and prepared in a particular way. So, is this a formula is there a formula behind this that you follow?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, issues management is a science, absolutely, and and so there's definitely a process. And so it's usually around being open and communicating openly about what's happened. So we see this in bigger situations. That you know, if I gave you an example of something that everyone would probably remember is the the cheating scandal, the cricket Australian team being caught cheating in South Africa, and. You know, if we cast our minds back to that, you know, the CEO, the then the CEO of Cricket Australia, James Sutherland, was kind of like a rabbit in the spotlight in some regards in his first media conference. He was trying not to say the word cheating. And at the same time in South Africa, the players had been in a press conference where they said, yes, we cheated and it was the wrong thing to do. So, so James Sutherland was refusing to say the word cheating. And that that became the whole thing of the press conference. Journalists saying, you know, why wouldn't you call it cheating? Would you call it cheating, James? And he just he kept down and it just looked ridiculous like just say the word (laughs) because we all know that that's what happened but I think people get caught up in well that's going to make it worse or that's you know but all it did was make it it make him look um, like he was trying to hide something so it does so the formula really is around let's be open let's take responsibility I mean really when there's a crisis people want to know what happened know that there's a solution to the problem and know that you've done something to make sure it never happens again so if you've done something and that's the issue then following that route is much better because once you've addressed those things and you may apologise and say, look, we, we got it wrong. We took responsibility. We got it wrong. We're sorry it happened. Here's what we're doing to make sure it doesn't happen again. There's nowhere else to go with that. People just can't keep bashing you over the head when someone's apologised and they're not going to do it again and they're making sure they don't do it again. What else are you going to say? That So you've kind of dealt with it and, and then it's time for everyone to move on. And if someone keeps attacking you over it, then they're the ones that start to look bad. So you can kind of hold your head up high and say, yes, um, you know, I've taken on board the the problem and I'm dealing with it. But, yes, definitely having a structure to it. So every time we're dealing with a client where there is a potential for the journalist to ask negative questions and if there is an issue, then obviously that's going to happen, you know, having some practice around that. We literally write a document where here's all the ugly questions you could be asked the questions you would hate to be asked on this topic, and that's workshop and answer. That mm-hmm. makes you look good, makes you look like you have taken on board the situation and that we're all moving ahead. And just that level of preparedness gives our clients much greater confidence going into that situation to start with. Makes the journalists feel like they're completely across it. There's no question they can ask that rattles them. I guess that thing about the media, they do get a sniff for uh, blood sometimes. Uh, <laughs> And is that what they're looking for? They're looking
0: for signs of nervousness so they uh, can hone in? Well,
2: if it's a situation like James Sutherland or uh, the Dream World tragedy, another kind of issues management poster case where they feel like someone's on the back foot and trying to cover up or not give the full story or dodge responsibility or something, that's what they're looking for. And so if you're not displaying any of that it's not about nervousness it's really about ownership of the issue I think more than anything you can be nervous and own your issue that's perfectly fine most people are nervous when they're talking to the media but there's no question that you don't have an answer for that's reasonable then they're like okay well that seems reasonable we just had an issue this week we got a one of our clients is a construction company. They're they're sharing um, back of house services, so there'll be some redundancies, and they're going to share a CEO. So the C, one of the CEOs, parted on Friday afternoon last week. So because we are, you know, we are doing proactive, positive publicity for them, we had to tell. They had to tell the media. We had to. We couldn't just pretend it didn't happen because it would come out eventually. So better be on the front foot. You know, we put a press release out to the specific journalists we know who would be interested in that story. We knew they would come straight back to us. We'd already done the document. We'd already had the practice with the CEO talking about it. We knew the flavor that we wanted to present. Uh, we knew the areas he was hoping it wouldn't go down. We had answers for that anyway. Because we were proactive, because we went to the journalist and said, here's this situation that's happened, you've got it first. The story came out in the paper the next day. It was pretty run-of-the-mill. This has happened. The two companies are sharing back-of-house services. One CEO's left because of that. And we also put in there and here's all our great projects. We're really profitable and here's our great projects that we're currently working on. And that became the other half of the story is, and it was a positive. So, yeah, it's usually about being proactive. And it sounds like controlling
0: the message, yeah. and, you know, adding in your positive, dealing with calming the situation whilst refocusing on the positive. Is that sort yes. of the, the yes. approach?
2: Yeah. Absolutely,
0: I might yeah. use some of this.
2: I like it. Too. <laughs> it's not just in
0: the media; we can use it in our daily lives. So, I'm yeah, I'm hearing that. I've got, I've got lots of applications. <laughs> so to that point, um, we're laughing, but um, but a lot of what you're talking about here, I think, are just good, solid communication practices. And in communication, from a legal perspective, is uh, really critical in dealing with disputes and trying to get negotiations outcomes, you know, because we're really big on keeping our clients away from litigation wherever possible. And I find communication is what underlies that, is an essential ingredient in that. But also, you know, from deal communication, um, you know, you were talking about this last example that is not a merger <laughs> but in mm. environments where there are mergers or acquisitions there's a lot of people who can feel very uncomfortable so it's not just about massaging the message to the media it's also about internal communication but but I feel like you could use the same
2: approach absolutely yeah so part of you know we got notified at 5 past 5 on the Friday afternoon that this had happened and it was complete news to us we weren't expecting that to be happening so we jumped on that on email on the weekend and said right so what's your to our client what's your plan for staff because we've got to expect that anything that goes to staff could end up in the media's hands you don't want a different message to staff than what we're putting out to the media the two have to be very it needs to be a whole strategy not just here's our staff strategy and here's our media strategy because if someone's not happy on your staff and they've got 160 staff, you know, there's not, I'm quite sure that journalist who uh, can be contentious from time to time has got people that would talk to her quite happily within the business. So we said, right, so we need to coordinate. We need to say, let's send us your statement. He was going to send a statement out to staff at the same time as you're having a, a live meeting. At the same time, we sent the press release. So it was all coordinated to the second so that, you know, we told the journalist, the CEO is currently having a meeting with the staff right this minute. He'll be able to talk to you in about an hour's time once he's done that. The team got sent the email at the start of the meeting. So the CEO is able to say, when you get back to your desk, there's an email with our company statement, which gives more detail. And so, yeah, it's been managed. And so it kind of came back from a place of scrambling really, because they hadn't intended for the CEO to leave that day, but he started to get wind of the fact that this change was afoot and they felt like they ought to tell him now before he heard it from somewhere else. So there are other issues at play, like they're going to share, potentially share officer space and there may be other people who lose their jobs and so forth. So they hadn't worked that out yet. So it was really coming back from a place of like, we've got to scramble now because I had this discussion with the CEO at that time. didn't stop us so from getting it together. So it was really Monday we spent getting all that stuff together and making the plan and then Tuesday it was executed and everyone's happy. The outcome was good.
0: Wow. And so we're talking here about, you know, I I guess a mid-sized organisation. But how is this applicable then, let's say, to smaller businesses? Businesses who are also going through changes or issues that need to be communicated to someone. And w- one of the things that I see as an issue in smaller businesses is obviously they don't have the resources of larger businesses, but sometimes what ends up happening then is they, there's a failure of communication, so they just don't communicate and then the message is very confused, <laughs> which, you know, can, can leave a lot of people concerned. And so yeah. what's your suggestions to small businesses in identifying when they need to think about a communication strategy about something and how they do that. And I I know we're sort of moving away probably from PR as a whole, but I guess it's all part and parcel of a similar sort of element in terms of communication.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, PR can can mean many different things. It can mean exposure in mainstream media. It can be internal communication. It's really about communicating a message. So, I think every organisation, regardless of size, can have some kind of communication plan. It doesn't have to be, you know, a 50-page communication strategy that sits on the bookshelf or something like that. It's really about identifying who you need to communicate with and how you're going to do that on a regular basis. And I think you're right. If People go start thinking, well, I've got this thing to communicate and it's a bit difficult, so I won't. The biggest mistake they make is believing that that means that no one's going to talk about it when all that means is that their position is not going to be, not going to have a voice. People are going to talk about whatever the, the situation is and you need to be controlling what they're talking about and how they're talking about it. So yeah, I, I, you know, that comes down to things like, you know, from my perspective as a business owner, I've got eight staff. We operate remotely. We all operate remotely. I've got staff in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Perth. It makes for tricky communication because we're not all sitting in an office. So we do extra, we work on communication really hard. Like we have a weekly meeting on Zoom. I have a monthly check-in with every staff member on what they're doing. We use software that allows people to report in on what they're doing so I can see not time-wise but just you know where that project is at just acknowledging that those difficult conversations need to be had everyone in business has difficult conversations that's probably one of the biggest things about running a business is being able to deal with that kind of stuff but applying the same approach as a bigger organization would which is okay what is the message I need to communicate make some notes I mean every time I meet with a staff member I've already thought out the things that I want to Uh, communicate and how I want to communicate it I'll be thinking what their response is likely to be and how I will respond back in a respectful and compassionate way so uh, we've done a lot of work I guess as a team on doing that we go away without my business coach and we talk about that kind of stuff how do we find the win-win in the difficult conversation all those kinds of things play out in all kinds of PR things as well so and the same with social media you know if someone has said something negative about you on social media or posted something bad, or given you a negative review or whatever, how can you find a win-win in that situation without inflaming it? Usually it's going to the source and acknowledging them in some way, making them feel heard. In some way, trying to take it offline, so you don't want to have a fight in a public space. You don't want to fight it; slug it out in Facebook comments. Absolutely, present your thoughts back to the person who's made a comment in a respectful and compassionate way, looking for a win-win, and then see if you can talk to them offline. And if it becomes, if they respond back negatively don't reply a third time because they're doing an argument. Uh-huh. So I like this. We're drawing some rules here. I, I think this is
0: really useful and because I think this is a reality for many businesses, so almost coming full circle here, where I was talking about the issues that are occurring where at the moment defamation seems the first go-to and, and there are many instances where that might be appropriate. But just dealing in this general business context, we've got some negative comments on social media and we're really worried that that will Impact our brand. So, businesses, they should respond. That's the first thing. Uh, so, I guess they should be monitoring.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was, I was going to say, that's really the first step is to monitor what's being said. That may be someone dedicated in your business to be watching social media. You know, there's other ways of doing that if you've got a budget with social media monitoring software and so forth. So, for bigger companies, but yeah, I mean, usually it just having someone watch, you know, your page and see who said what is the first step. And then determining the level of whether it actually is an issue or a crisis or if it's just someone who's got who' said something a little bit negative we're, we're always saying look have a look at who how many people are on that person's page You've only got five followers it's really not a big issue if it's suddenly hundreds of people or thousands of people then yes you need to take a more proactive approach and things like the rule of three if it becomes a three lots of you're going back and forth and it does become an argument one of our clients is a clinical research company and they had someone just recently actually put a negative review on facebook i mean they're dealing with life and death so it's a pretty tricky situation this person's family member had been on a drugs trial and had it hadn't worked sometimes i mean drug trials can be to can actually be treatment or it can just be to test a new drug could be a healthy participant this person had cancer and the drug didn't work for her and she passed away. So that there's a lot of anger and upset, falsely directed at the clinical research company, you know, that's a potential outcome, you know, they can't doesn't mean it's gonna work for everyone. So they put this really negative review on Facebook. So the response was, so we got the CEO to call the person directly, and there was a plan in place basically. He would call this person, walk through the issues, and just alert her to the fact that he would be responding. On social media because it was appropriate given the uh, severity of her comments that he would be responding. So to give her a heads up that it was coming as opposed to whacking it on there and seeing what she was going to say next. That's a great idea. Yeah. So it just calms everyone down and then that person can go, okay, well, I've been heard. And that's really what often it's about. Someone has heard me and has responded to my upset. And I think I
0: want to hear the end of this story, but just, you know, I had a a passing thought. I I think it's what sometimes is Difficult for individuals, businesses is that where they feel comments have been made that are unjust and untrue. Sometimes there's this concept of principle and they just feel like they can't engage in a discussion that acknowledges the issues that someone feels is there because they feel so affronted by it. You know, sometimes there's a lot of passion, I think, sitting in the background and sitting on principle actually Creates many legal disputes, I believe. But but you know what you say in that situation where where businesses are grappling with this issue, they just are unfair. They're not making a good point. Why would I even engage with that? You know, I can sort of
2: hear hear these words. So I guess you've got to look at it from a very non emotional perspective. So it's easy in this situation for people to get really emotional and go, "That's unfair." So if you hear someone say, "Well, that's unfair," actually they've been offended personally by that. And so we're not looking at it now from the perspective of what would be best for the business? What would be the best outcome for the business? We're point scoring and we're going, well, that's not fair. I mean, that's what, you know, my three-year-old says, that's not fair. And that's what most kids say because they don't have the communication skills to get past that. So if you're in that it's not fair, it's not fair, you know, but but really do you want to have this impact on your business? For example, there was another person who talked to me about a situation where they did have really unfair comments and highly emotional comments being made on their social media channels and it had really annoyed the CEO. He was just, you know, angry and, and like unbelievably even the time of, my, time of day. I said, okay, so what would be your ideal outcome? You know, well, for them to stop saying it. Okay, so what would we need for that to happen? And putting yourself in their shoes and go, well, what would take the wind out of their sails to be talking about this kind of stuff? And he got down to, well, there'd been all these other issues and they had been refusing to allow them to come to meetings and so they weren't being heard. So they, this person felt like the only way of being heard was to vent it on social media. If you can't do it yourself, can you get someone on your team to talk to them and bring them in and have a meeting and just talk out the issue? It doesn't have to be you. Get someone else. So then they'll just feel like they've been heard. And then you don't necessarily even have to respond on social media if a lot of eyes aren't on it. Maybe someone else on the team does or the business does. And in that process... They're just going to stop doing it. Otherwise, they're going to keep doing this and they're going to keep doing it for the next six months. Do you want to keep dealing with this for the next six months or do you want to find a way to bring it down a notch or two and hopefully prevent it? After some reflection, he went, you know what, you're right. I, will get, I can't do it because I'm really annoyed because I had named him in the post and everything else and it was unfair. So he got someone else to bring them in. They had a conversation and, you know, it's dealt with, it's stopped. So you've got to kind of, I guess, have a bigger picture perspective. If you want to keep dealing with the same thing over and over again, then, you know, don't respond, I guess, and don't get dragged into it but the likelihood is is that person's going to continue to feel that they haven't been heard and they're going to continue to make snarky comments and and upset you and and you don't want to feel that level of upset for the next 6 months. Look, I just think you have
0: given some, you know, really wise advice today and given a really good extra dimension I think to this whole concept of of how we deal with a message <laughs> as a whole. I think that that's really the underlying um, element of what we've been talking about. So, so look, if any of our listeners want to reach out and contact you, how do they find you?
2: Yeah, sure. Thank you, Joanna. So, our website is profilemedia.com.au or they can email us at info at or go onto our, one of our social channels. But, um, Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of things, I guess, beyond issues management. Issues management is one part. I love the proactive, positive publicity and content elsewhere online. But yeah, I guess it's one of those areas that people do feel sometimes uh, like it's a big scary area and they don't even want to go there. Benefits of it are significant. You know, if you can control your message, that's really what it's about for customers is, is feeling like they know you and like you and trust you by the messages you put out there. So I guess, I guess be open to that, to the thought. I love it. I really love it. And
0: we'll put a link through in our show notes and on our website at talkinglaw.com.au. If you are running along the beach or you're on your commuting to work and do not have a pen handy. So don't worry, we'll give you the ways to uh, connect on through to Sue at Profile Media Communications. Well, Sue, thank you once again. It's been fabulous having you on the show. Thanks, Joanna. Well, that's it for this episode of Talking Law. Just as a quick recap, in this episode, we were talking with Sue Papadoulis all about communication, whether it's dealing with bad publicity, dealing with disputes, or just internal messaging. Now, if you'd like some assistance with the legal elements of an issue or a dispute you may be experiencing, then head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. And And there you can book in a free consultation with one of our legal eagles who can work you through the issues that you're experiencing at the moment and give you some ideas of how to deal with that. And if you'd like more information about the topic that we have been talking about today on Talking Law, then head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au and look for this episode where you'll be able to get a transcript of it and you'll also get a link straight through to Sue if you would like to talk to her in more detail about some assistance with PR in your organization. Now, look, Sue is also a co-author with me of the book Secrets of Business Experts Exposed. Now, if you'd like to take a deeper dive into some of the most important business tips and strategies that we cover in that book, That's great. All you have to do is pop us an email at inquiries at aspectlegal.com.au and in the subject line, just put... Please send me a book and we'll send you a complimentary copy of the book. Whoever said nothing comes free clearly hasn't met us. Well, look, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers.